time with God every day, every day, every day. I will spend time with God. I will pray. I will pray. 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 I will pray. I will be holy. I will be holy. 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 I will be. I will be holy. I will fulfill God's purpose for me and my generation. My generation. My generation. I will fulfill God's purpose. God's purpose for my generation. For me and my generation. My generation. I will live the vow. Morning. How you feeling? I feel good. Man, that was the way that I want to start my morning absolutely 100%. Thank God for His work in all of us, right? Hey, did you get any sleep last night? Perfect. Well done. Are you planning on getting any sleep tonight? Perfect. Well done. And your youth pastors and leaders are like, Dear God, help me. Yeah. Dear God, help you. That's right. Um, oh, there's gum right there. That's gross. Step in there. Well, that was a good prayer session. You know there's good prayer times when people are like, you know, it's really good. Next time, I want to see gum littered all over the platform, and we'll know. Oh, <laughs> I, I kid. I tease. I joke. Um, hey, my name is Brent Parsley, I'm youth pastor at New Life Church there in Colorado Springs. I work with... Those are some of my family members right there. They're, they're called Tag. And uh, I love you guys all. You're doing such a great job. I'm so glad you're here. Hey, uh, we're going to study the Word of God. You got a few more minutes? Want to study the Word a little bit before we go to lunch? Yes, indeed. You know, I'll tell you something about times like this. They're, uh, they're some of my favorite. I love the day-to-day. I love the life that we live. I love just... I love working, I love being in a church, I love doing all the things that I do. I've got a beautiful wife, she, her name's Maria, she's super, extremely hot, um, wait, let me do it right, she is so hot, uh, on the inside and out, and so, um, so she's a wonderful, incredible woman. I've been married to her for eight years. I've got two incredible kids. Aurora is two, and uh, Ewan is eight months, and Aurora is a dainty, graceful little girl that tries to be graceful and falls down all the time, and Ewan is a monster machine. He's just like, that's kind of the stage he's in right now. He just likes to slap stuff. Yeah! Yeah! That's, that's my son, and... Uh, kind of his latest things, what he does. And just so you know a little bit about me, I love times like, I love the stuff that we do. I love the life that I live. But there's something about these times when we all gather together like this, where the Spirit of God wants to do some very intentional things. And I think it's really cool because we take times out like this to allow him to do it. You know, when you're going to your youth group and you're going to church and you're doing the day-to-day, that's really where it counts. That's where it means the most. This experience here, this is not the thing. This is a kick in the pants to help you to continue to do the thing. Does that make sense? And so, but no doubt, every now and then, I love a good kick in the pants. Who who likes kicking the pants? Somebody come up here and let's demonstrate. No, let's do that later. So, I love these times. And here's the deal. 
God, I feel like there's, so, there's such this dynamic that when we set this time aside and say, I'm going to give my time and my energy and my attention and my finances, and my, I'm going to give whatever, I've, I'm going to be there. I'm going to go to desperation. I'm going to go to retreat. I'm going to go to a camp. I'm going to go so that I can meet with God. It's time set aside, just like when you fast in your day-to-day life. Time set aside with God. I feel like he kind of looks down and goes, oh, sweet. Got that on my calendar. He's got a real big calendar, lots of people on it, and he can take care of all of them at once. And uh, he kind of says, I'm going to come meet with you. I'm going to come hang with you in a very intentional way. And I think that's kind of what's happening here today. And I'm so excited about it. I love these moments. And so I want you to, I want you to reach. I want you to take hold of it. I want you to get everything that you can. I want you to do your very best to just kind of, I shouldn't do this, but I'm going to. Just get the kick in the pants. Just let God do it in you today. So everybody, later, I just want to, I want to see you around, walking around all weekend. I didn't mean to turn around, sorry. I should have kept the side profile. Um, terribly inappropriate, partially. That's what I do. Um... So anyway, I'm very, very excited, and I'm very excited to get to share a couple ideas that I, I believe the God's implanted in my heart. So we we let me pray with you for a second, and then let's dive into it, okay? Heavenly Father, we love you. And Jesus, we're grateful already for the work that you've done last night and this morning. And Lord, we really do mean it, though we joke. Uh, we We want you to kind of come and kick us around a little bit and mess us up a little bit and spur us on in faith in godliness, in pursuit of you and your heart and who you are. So, Lord, in Jesus' name, this morning, I pray that you'd continue to do what you want to do. Have your way, fulfill your agenda and your purpose. Do what you will in us, because, God, we confess to you that we are ready now for you to do whatever you want to do. Not our agenda, but yours. Come and bless this thing in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said... So last night, David kind of kicked us off with the, uh, the idea, this idea of Jesus is... Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a little whiny. I got to be honest, it's a little whiny. Jesus is... like that. Jesus is awesome. Jesus is awesome. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And so last night David kind of began a definition of Jesus and outlined some things about Jesus. So we did our best to begin to work with a definition, though he defies definition. Though you can't encapsulate him, you can't package him, you can't contain him, you can't hold him. He defies all of it. He's so much bigger than our words could ever express. But we began to work with it and get the idea and get the imagery and start to understand who he really is. And that's this. He is very huge and we are very small. He's big. We're little. Our head only comes to his middle. 
That VeggieTales thing just comes out every time. I have little kids. If you've ever seen them, you're big, I'm little. My head on the comps to your middle. Why can't little guys do big things too? I don't remember exactly how it goes, but. Um, we're very small. He is awesome. And when you start to get the glimpse of who Jesus really is, when you start to see the picture of how he really operates, who he actually is, something has to begin to change. Something has to begin to transform. My question for all of us this morning as we launch into our first full day is, is just that. What is it? What is it that's going to begin to change in us as we start to really see him? Because when you actually see him, you can't just stay the same. Something's got to move. You've got to back away if it's too much. And really, that's pretty much one of the only responses. Oh, dear God, dear God, dear God. So, but some may back away because, no, 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 no. I can't handle that. I don't want that. I can't let that in. That's not what I'm after. I, I, I'm, I just can't take it. Yeah, probably not. He's so massive. Others of you say, oh man, yes, yes, that's who he is. He's so big. He's so awesome. He's so incredible. I want more. And you go forward, but then you're like, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. The response, I think, is probably both the same. But one heart reaches for him and the other heart says, ooh, which heart are you going to have this morning? Which heart do you want to take? Which stance do you want to take? Where do you want to go? See... I think that what's got to happen is it's got to be a, a massive shift in us. There's got to be a change. There's got to be something. When you look at him, there's got to be a response. And it needs to be a massive, sweeping, life-changing, altering shift that goes on in you or me. That starts on the inside and works its way out until we're somebody different than when we showed up. That's what we're looking for. But I think it's too easy a lot of times for our perspectives to get a little bit skewed on who he really is. Everybody's got their preconceived notions that you bring to the table, don't you? Dave mentioned his last night, little, little, little blue cup Jesus. <laughs> it was very cute with the lamb and the rocking and the ha-ha. It was very nice. I have my own, I, you know, I, I, mine, mine really realistically is a thing that you probably don't even know about. It was called flannel graph. You do know it. And not only that, but you've acquired a taste, the refined taste for the beauty of the flannel graph. I appreciate that about you. But if you don't know what it is, it was this board made of flannel and it had a scene on it. And your Sunday school teacher takes out little cutouts of Jesus and puts them on there and tells little Bible stories. Here's the loaves. Here's the fishes. And you're just enraptured. Oh. They come off. And stick back on. And that's kind of my imagery when I think back of who I thought Jesus was. And so it's those preconceived notions that I brought to the table. It's the, the Jesus walking on the water. You know, he's like this, glowing. Oh! And Peter, Peter's getting out of the boat. And I'm like, ooh, what a great story. Jesus is awesome. And then Peter sinks in the water. And then it's like she takes the full Peter off and puts on like half body cut in half Peter. And you're like, ah! 
So you realize that he only sank, so it was okay now. But I brought those kind of preconceived flannel graph Jesus things to it. A lot of times there are external factors that, that contribute to who we believe Jesus is. Some of those are our experiences, the way that we've lived life, things that have happened to us. I'm the product of a divorced home. And so I'm a, I'm a divorced kid. I'm a messed up. I'm, I just, my life has not been easy as has been so many of yours. You have a similar story to mine and worse. But that's kind of been my background. So I bring these experiences to the table. And let me tell you something about your experiences. They cannot clearly define who God is. You cannot tell who Jesus is based on what experience you've had here on this earth. There's a lot of other things too. I mean, your family background, that's another deal. I mentioned mine. You know, maybe it's how your, maybe it's how your father has treated you. And so because your father treated you this way, you've determined and you've decided, well, because that's the way a father is, that must be the way God is. And therefore, I want nothing to do with it because you've been abused or rejected or hurt or whatever the case may be for you. So that may be one thing. Maybe it's books that you've read and you've dug into. I mean, right now we've got this major onslaught of atheists coming forward and pressing and fighting and saying he's not real. It's not true. You're ignorant, foolish and stupid for believing the things that you believe. Oh, if they only knew. But but there's books that you've read and there's classes, there's professors that you've sat under, there's teachers that you've sat under and listened to them as, as they've talked about evolution. They've taught you these different things. And so you've, you're trying to wrap your head around all of this and you're coming with all these preconceived ideas of who Jesus Christ is. None of those things can accurately define him. Here's the thing. Jesus just is. Your culture can't define him for you. Your church can't even do a good enough job of defining him for you. He is. He exists beyond culture. He exists beyond everything that we know. He just is. When he said, I am, he just meant it. I am. And in that statement, he was encompassing everything that he is. I am. I am good. I am love. I am mercy. I am grace. I am power. I am everything. I just am. In other words, he's God and he knows it. And he's good with it. He exists beyond all of these things. But we've heard all these stories. We've heard all these tales. We've got all of these things that are working inside of our minds. And today I want to encourage you a little bit because I think we need a bit of a perspective shift to get away from all of our preconceived ideas of who God is, to begin the journey counting on God to find out really, realistically, actually who he is. It's a journey. It is going to be a process for us. But likewise, as we do this journey together, starting here this weekend and continuing on for the rest of your days, likewise, those same places have kind of spoken to you about who you are. And the interesting dynamic, I think, that happens there is that you, you get this skewed image of who God is because you're not actually in rabid pursuit of who he actually is. You're more kind of in the, the little slow foot race trying to find out 
who I kind of think he is based on my life circumstances. And so you think that he's distant or you believe that he's like your father and he's mean and abusive or you think that whatever it is that you may think. And that's your view of who he is. And so as you try to determine and find out who you are and who you're created to be, you can't help but be skewed in who you're supposed to be because your image of him is skewed. And so now the whole world is just kind of messed up for you. Because let me just break this down. I think probably the biggest thing that I want to get into your head today is this. That you're only going to find out who you really are when you find out who he really is. And that's it. When it comes down to it, it's not all that challenging. It's a process. It's a journey. You've got to fight through it a lot of times. When it comes down to it, we've got to go and find out and pursue who he is. And in doing so and find out who we really are. Because our perspectives about all of us are a little bit messed up a lot of times. You've identified yourself by things that aren't necessarily true of you. I mean, I just told you some of my life, right? I, I was the divorced kid. I was the real anxious and fearful kid. I was, uh, I, mean, I, I had many different things I've gone through in my life. I was, um, when I when I was younger and going through my parents' divorce, I just kind of sat at home depressed and I just ate a lot of food. I just ate and 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 ate. And then I ate. When I got done eating, I ate. Because what else was I going to do? I didn't want to go hang. I didn't want to go be with people. I was sad. I was depressed. I was lonely. And so I ate. And so therefore, I struggled with my weight quite a bit. So I was, I was kind of the little chubby kid that people made fun of a lot of times. That was one of the things that I was. But can I tell you something about me? That's not who I am. I may have walked through a season like that, but that's not who I am. I'm not defined by one instance of my life. Let me explain it to you this way. I, I, need, I need a couple guys really quick, actually. I need a couple, a couple guys. Nico? Okay, Nico, come here. And then you, what's your name over there? What is it? Kyle? Okay, Nico and Kyle, come here. Oh, I'm sorry. I've already, I've, I've already got Nico and Kyle, but what's your name? Give Aaron a huge hand because he was right up here to do it. Aaron, don't give yourself a hand. Okay, so Kyle? Kyle and Nico? Okay, Nico, this is my buddy Nico. This is my buddy Kyle. Now, Nico's big and uh, Kyle is almost as big. And so um, here's what I want you to do. I want, you, I, I, I want to I illustrate this for you all real quick, how this kind of works. Because the devil is going to try to trap you a little bit, I think, in, in what I would call photographic thinking. By taking an image, a picture of a moment in your life and trying to convince you that is who you are. So a mistake that you made with a boy or a girl or a party that you went to and did something foolish, a way that you handled your life in God and you just totally missed it. I don't know what it is for you, but I bet if you thought about it, you could, th you could come up with a pretty clear example right now. Now, these guys, let's act something out. Let's see. I uh, feel like acting just a little bit. I'll say, let's just take a, okay, Nico, you've been really mean, all right? And Kyle, you're really ticked off at your buddy Nico. And so, Nico, come over here really quick. And you, you can't take it anymore. So instead of showing the love of Christ to your buddy, you decide that you're just going to deck him. So I want you to hit him in the face as hard as you can. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. All right. All right. I want you to pose, actually. So just, like, take a shot at him, like, in slow motion, because I don't want you to actually hit him. So take, take a shot at him and freeze when you hit his cheek. 
he's a little bit too happy about that punch, I think. He's like, yeah, that, that, that felt good. Uh, okay, now, let me just, let me shoot this really quick, okay? So, here, let me take a picture of it, all right? Let's see. So, just, Kyle, scoot in a little bit. Scoot in, I know, Kyle, scoot in, there you go. Yeah, perfect, okay? All right, now, Kyle, mean, mean face. Look at me, mean face. Okay, ooh, that's tough, dude. Yeah, no, no, come on back, Kyle. Mean face, mean face. Okay, mean face. Nico, that's a good face. Okay, Kyle, give me a glare, man. Give me a glare. Okay, beautiful. All right, yeah, that's good. Okay, give these guys a big hand really quick. Can you run that to Dave? All right, so, so there's a moment in time where it happens, where something goes down, something goes wrong, you do something foolish, you do something that you shouldn't have done, you make a mistake, and the devil wants to come to you, and he wants to say, this is who you are. And that image is burned, and so he brings it back. It's this photographic way of thinking where the enemy brings it back to you and brings it back to you and brings it back to you, trying to say, don't you get it? You can't do anything else. God doesn't respond to you. Don't you remember when? Don't you remember what you did? Don't you remember how foolish you were? Remember how brutal Nico was to you? And you just took him down. You're not full of the love of God. You're full of hate. You're full of malice. You're disgusting. And he tries to he tries to capture that moment in you. David, we have that. Is it coming? He's trying to capture that moment in you. And get you to see it over and over and over again. Why? So he can just keep you right there. Because he knows. He knows. He knows that if he can keep you there, believing that that's who you are, then you'll never go on to fulfill and do everything God's called you to do. Now let me ask you a question. Kyle, come back here for a second. But go easy, man. I don't want to mess with you. Okay, just come stand right down here. Okay, now, Kyle, is that you? That's not you? But that really looks like you. I mean, didn't, I mean, look, look at how mean. And I could swear that just, you know, not two minutes ago, you were punching that dude in the face because he was a jerk to you. So, and look, look how bad he looks. I mean, it's like TKO, man. You just, you, you killed that dude. So isn't that you? Yeah. Oh, it is you. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, it's not. <laughs> I don't know what he's doing up there. That's not Kyle. That's just an image of Kyle. Kyle is here. Kyle is this man here. Kyle is moving. Kyle can do other things. Kyle, I didn't say dancing, Kyle. <laughs> Kyle, Kyle still has some motion. Kyle is not that guy for the rest of his days. In fact, Kyle can walk over here. Come on, Kyle, let's take a walk. 
Kyle can jump on one foot. <laughs> Kyle can return to his seat. Good job, Kyle, thanks. But I know you know what I'm talking about because the devil wants to convince you that the things that you've done and the person that you are, this photographic thinking, taking an image of who you are and bringing it back and bringing it back and bringing it back, that is not who you are. You don't have to stay there. I heard a preacher recently say it kind of in these terms that the enemy uses this photographic type of thinking in your life. I want you to be aware of it but that God uses a prophetic way of thinking because God sees who he created you to be, who he destined for you to be, who he's called you to be. And he's putting you on that path to become that person. How do you become that person? You find out who he really is. Then you find out who you really are. And all those photographs that you've had, all that photo album that the enemy will try to present to you, you just say, that's not me. You sure that's not, it looks like you. Yeah, I know it looks like me. And I actually, I, I did that. But look, there's more pages. And then lo and behold, there's empty pages yet to be filled in my album. And I'm going to fill them with the good things of God. Because all you've got, devil, is all these old photographs that are done and finished. And you know what? I can just take them out and rip them up under the blood of Jesus. And now, with prophetic thinking of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, man, I got pages yet to be filled. Psalm 139 says that all the days ordained for you were written down in his book before one of them came to be. He's got plans for you. He's got ideas for you. He's got a purpose for you. Don't let the enemy hold you there. There's only one person that can truly define you, and that's God himself. And do you know why? Because he's the one who created you. I heard a story about a guy way a long time ago, had a little old, you know, crank it up kind of car. You're like, you used to crank cars? Yeah, like old Model T's and stuff. And he was driving and it broke down. And so, you know, when that breaks down, it's, I don't know why it's that big a deal. It only went like two miles an hour, but whatever. Could have just walked much easier. But he's on the side of the road and he's trying to fix it and he can't do it. He's a young punk. He's kind of like, I'm not that young. So he's, he's a young punk. He's trying to fix it. And this old dude comes driving up in this other car. And he gets out. Hey, sonny. Uh, what are you doing? Kid says, oh, I'm trying to fix this stupid car. I just can't figure it out. The guy says, well, let me have a look. No, uh, look, man. Old timer, I appreciate it. You're old. I see, your eyes probably aren't that good. You just went, Meh! I don't think you're quite up to par to be able to take care of what needs to be taken care of. I see that your hands are a little bit... And so... You know what, dude? You're fine. Just kind of, if you don't mind, just step away. I'll, I'll figure it out eventually. No, son, let me just take a look. Gets under the hood, looks around a little bit, starts messing with a few things, cranks the car. Boom! Car starts. Gets up, cleans off. The young guy who's been there for hours is like, dude. Except for it was a long time ago, so he probably said, sir. really say dude then uh, but they should have <laughs> sir how did you 
How'd you do that? What's the deal? He said, well, son, I'm Henry Ford. I made that car. Jumped back in his car, drove away. the same thing with you and God. I don't know why we have such a hard time entrusting ourselves to Him and pursuing Him and looking to Him to become who we're meant to become when He's the Creator. He knows how you're designed. He knows how to fix you. He knows how He created you and He wants you to become that. He knows exactly who you are. Ooh, I gotta do this. Let's go to, let's go to Judges chapter 6. Read through this real quick. Judges chapter 6. I'm going to read a story familiar probably to most of you about a dude named Gideon. Judges chapter 6, starting in verse 1. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza. And did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count the men and their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. And when the Israelites cried to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I snatched you from the power of Egypt and from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them from before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Oprah, just kidding, Oprah, but uh, that belonged to Joash, the Abizrite, uh-huh, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Some interesting things going on in this chapter that I want to highlight for you. All these Israelites... They've had so many incredible things happen for them. They've been delivered. In fact, right here, God says it very clearly. This angel of the Lord, this messenger, comes and delivers this message to them and says, says, uh, uh, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says, I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I snatched you from the power of Egypt and from the hand of all your pr- pr- oppressors. I drove them from before you and gave you their land. And then I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Listen, he's saying, I set you up. I gave you freedom. I set you free. I delivered you from bondage. And I set myself up to be the chief, to be in control, to be the one that you run to, to be the one that you've counted on. I'm the one who did all of these incredible things. And all I asked was that you obey me and you couldn't do it. And you began to worship these other gods. And so they're all hiding and cowering because they couldn't live up to the thing that they were supposed to do. To obey, to pursue, to go after him. Instead, they began to go after everything else in the land that surrounded them. 
And because of that, they were in oppression. They were hurting. They were hiding. They were cowering. And how many of us are doing the same thing in our lives? Because we just haven't pursued God the way that we should. But we've pursued all the other things in the land that we're dwelling in. And God's saying, look, I freed you. I died on the cross. I set you free. I've given you everything that you need for life and godliness. And all I've asked you to do is to obey me. All I ask you to do is to seek me, to pursue me. And now you're wrecked. You're in hiding. And then it says, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. So here's Gideon. He's in the wine press. He's not supposed to be working in the wine press. You don't thresh the wheat in the wine press. It's got, it's contained. And so Glenn Packy and I were talking about it last night. And when you're doing this process in threshing, it's supposed to be open air so that the wind can blow away the chaff. But he's cowering and hiding because he's scared of the Midianites. So his life is being affected. His work isn't going well. The things that he's supposed to do in life, he's not able to do right because he hasn't obeyed, because he hasn't pursued, because they haven't lived the correct life and so he's not living up to who he's supposed to be what he's supposed to do and how God originally designed him and he's stuck there hiding out in this press just trying to kind of quietly do his work and the Lord shows up and says hey mighty warrior huh? I'm the only one here, so I I guess you're talking to me. And he was. Then the New Living Translation says, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Imagine the scene. He's working, he's hiding, he's cowering. Shh, be quiet. Don't let anybody know that I'm here. And the angel of the Lord appears. And he looks at this guy. Mighty hero. The Lord is with you. How does that happen? Because God knew how he created Gideon. And he knew what he had in store for him. If he was just ready to obey. And so he begins to give him instruction on what he needs to do. How he needs to do it. Gideon says, but sir... The Lord is with us. Why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? And here it comes. But Lord, Gideon asked, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least In my family, the Lord answered, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites together. God knew what he wanted to do with this boy. God knows what he wants to do with you. And your temptation is to look around at all the circumstances and say, but God, I'm the least. I'm the smallest. I'm the youngest in the family of parsley. That's that's my family. (laughs) Like. Huh? My last name's Parsley. I know it's embarrassing, but go with me. 
I'm the least in the family of parsley. I'm I'm the smallest. I'm the youngest. I'm the shortest. I'm the littlest. I'm puny. Look at me. This is all I have to offer. And you're tempted to say the same thing. God, I don't have anything to give. What do I have? I'm puny. I'm the least. And why is that? Because you've not lived up to who God has called you to actually be. Because you're looking at all the circumstances of life and who you believe God is instead of the actual God who exists beyond what you know and your preconceived ideas. You know, I want to read this verse to you really quick because I think it's important for us. I want you to go to 2 Kings really fast as I wrap this up. 2 Kings really fast. Because here's the deal. What I'm driving at is that our generation needs a massive change in perspective. We need a massive change, an overhaul in our thinking to realize that God is God and he knows it. And God has created you the way he wanted to and he knows it. And he's given you everything that you need through the cross, through his blood, everything that you need for life and godliness, you already have. You are an heir of God the Father. You are co-heirs with Jesus Christ himself. You're like brother and sister with Jesus. You get all the good things of God given to you. You are able to experience the fullness of Christ in you. The fullness, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. That's why we can say you are an overcomer. You are more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. You have all of it. It already is done. The work is finished and it resides in you. But you don't believe it. You don't think it's really true. It's kind of like the story in 2 Kings. All right. The king of Aram, he's ticked off at Elisha because Elisha's like reading his mail. And every time they want to go to war and fight somebody, he's like, oh, here they come. They're doing this. They're going to ambush around here. So nothing's working right. So he's like, go find that guy and go kill him. In verse 13 of 2 Kings 6, it says, go find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. The report came back. He's in Dothan. So he sent horses, chariots, a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, my Lord. What shall we do? The servant said, don't be afraid. The prophet answered those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes so he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Here's the deal. These homers were both in the same place. They were both in the same place looking at the same scene, but they saw two way different pictures. Elisha saw the reality that existed. The servant just saw the circumstances of life surrounding until Elisha did what? Until he went to the throne room of God and prayed. And when he prayed, when he pursued, when he sought the Lord, his servant's eyes were opened and he saw the actual scene, the reality where there's all the enemies surrounding. But then fiery chariots 
That's my fire sound. It's bad, I know. I'll work on it for next time. All these fiery chariots surrounding the army of God ready. He saw the reality. See, Elisha knew the reality that existed. You don't quite understand yet the reality that exists in the kingdom of God that lives inside of you. We're all here. We're all doing the same thing. We're all pursuing the same God. We're all after the same goal. But as we're looking around, we're seeing too many different things. What I want you to see is a shift in perspective today. I want you to begin to pursue who he actually really is. It may mean that you have to get rid of everything that you thought you knew and go back to base one and start again through the word and through prayer and through the pursuit of him. But to find out who he really is outside of any other text, save this one alone and find out who he is. And in doing so, find out who you really are. We need a shift in our perspective and in our thinking to see that reality. What is that reality? This will be the last verse I think that I'll read. Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11, 33. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord and who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. So, how much is from him? Is this on? How much is from him? All things. How much goes through him? Weak. How much goes through him? How much goes back to him? You know what I conclude from this idea? That everything that is belongs to him. I like to say it this way. This whole life that we are living, it is all in the story of God. There's really two stories that we know on this earth. There's a story that is massive. It's the epic. It's the all-encompassing. Truthfully, it's the only story. And it's God's story. And then there's the story of you and your life. The issue is, is that we get so wrapped up in our own little story that it becomes, in our minds, bigger than the vast grand story of God. We can't live that way any longer. There's got to be a shift, just like the servant had a shift. We've got to have a shift in our perspective to see that the story of God is going on and on and on because from him comes everything, through him runs everything, and to him goes everything. That means from the beginning of time to the end of time of which will never come, he is the one who, who wrote and lives out and planned and created and is in the midst of this massive story. And your story His goes from here down to here. And yours is here. It's tiny. 
It doesn't mean you don't matter, though. You matter very much because even though the whole thing is his, he's invited every one of us to come and participate in his story. But when you get overwhelmed, when you feel the pressure on, when you say, I can't make it, I can't do it, I can't, I can't live this Christian life, I can't pursue God, I can't conquer sin, I can't stay away from this thing, I can't, I can't, I can't, or I'm prideful, or I'm, I'm tempted to think, I can do this, I'm incredible, I can make this happen. What it means is, is you've lost sight of God, you haven't seen Him at all. And what I want to encourage you to do is when you feel overwhelmed, when you feel the pressure, to take another look at the vast story of God. See who he really is. Go and find him. And when you find him, there is an instant right-sizing of you and me that takes place. When you actually see who God really is, you become right-sized before him. You understand what your role is, what your position is, who you're supposed to be. I want to challenge you this morning to go find who he truly is. How do you do that? Well, we've talked about the word. We've talked about prayer. You know about worship. You know about fasting. You're here to do all that kind of stuff. Over the next, the course of the next several couple days here, You're going to find out more and more and more. And I want to encourage you to go after it. Let there be a shift in your perspective. It's time to look at him again. I want to end with this quote from a missionary that I respect a lot. His name is Britt Hancock. a direct quote from that missionary. Um, actually, there's a text message to David Perkins. You got to close. In looking at this grand idea of how vast and incredible and wonderful and big God is and how small you are and embracing that smallness and just appreciating being engrafted into the story. And now all the pressure's off because all I have to do is find out what my part is and I just have to participate. All the pressure is on him. It's not on me. It's on him. And he is well able to handle it. And Brother Britt Hancock said this to us. He said, just remember, you're not the center of anything except for God's love. You're not at the center of anything. Let the pressure be released from your life. You're not at the center of anything except the love of of God. Let's go after this shift. Close your eyes for just a second, will you? Father, today we want to see clearly who we're supposed to be in you. We want to live up to who you've created us to be and what you've called us to do. Father, we don't want our vision to be skewed anymore about who we are or who you are. Father, today we confess together that we don't want to count on the things of the world. We don't want to count on these external factors of life. We want to count on the one and only one that really matters, and that's you. So today, we're hungry 
to continue to pursue you. And Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, I ask that as we do, God, that you would change our thinking. Just like the servant suddenly saw the reality that was. Nothing changed. It was already there. They, he just saw it. God, over the course of today and tomorrow, I pray that we would begin to see the reality of what is. That we are heirs of God, co-heirs with Jesus, overcomers, more than conquerors, and that we are at the center of your love. And as we begin to have that shift, Lord, I pray that we would pursue and dropping all of the preconceived ideas that we would find out who you really are and in doing so discover who you designed us to really truthfully be. And let us become those individuals to bring change, transformation, light, and life in our generation. God, it's time to look at you again. Not what we think you are. We want to look at you again. And when we lose sight, we want to look at you again. And when we feel overwhelmed, we want to look at you again. When we feel prideful, we want to look at you again. We want to be exactly who you called us to be. So help us to do it in the powerful precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ and everybody says you've just heard one of the speakers from Desperation a ministry of New Life Church in Colorado Springs for more information on becoming a Desperation intern attending one of our conferences or joining the Desperation National Network for local churches visit us at desperationonline.com